Hey guys, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah Joe, life and recovery coach. I have my master's in sociology and a few certifications in nutrition and behavioral health. I'm also a certified peer recovery specialist, which is a fancy way of saying I use my own experience with addiction and mental health to help others heal too. And I'm here to say fuck that, to fake fluffy talk for the sake of fitting in. You don't need to fit in, you belong. Let's dive into this week's big talk topic. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. I am so excited to have this conversation today. I am sitting here with Jessica Smith. She is an accountability coach, and the work that she does really is surrounding around serving women, specifically career-driven women and female entrepreneurs. And she helps implement realistic but effective eating and workout strategies to help them live better, do better in life. And so if this sounds like anything like you could benefit from, I'm so excited for you to listen. Jessica, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am stoked that we cross paths and that you are the first nutrition, um, like mindset habit, like getting yourself on track, staying on track type coach that we're having on the podcast so far. Yes. Thank you. This is something that I'm super passionate about. And I feel like as we talk, some probably some of our values will be so aligned because it's such a holistic approach that I think it's really important. Like it's your mind, it's your body, it's your heart. It's like literally everything. So I'm excited to kind of dig into all the things with you. Yes. And the holistic approach to just taking care of your body, not just your body, but like, obviously we aren't just bodies walking around. Like we are like my my training, my education, my spirituality tells me that we're like souls walking around in bodies trying to figure out how to like encompass everything about how to like treat ourselves with kindness and treat others with kindness as a result. And so much of it starts with how we treat ourselves and the why behind why we're treating ourselves that way, whether it's like good or bad. And we don't even have to have those good or bad labels. It's just like, what are you, what are you engaging in? and why. And if it doesn't feel good to you, how can you shift? How can you adjust? And how can you start to like straighten out a little bit and go on a path that feels better for you? I love that. I totally agree. I love how you said like we're souls, but we inhabit these bodies. Yeah. And one of the, um, one of my friends and mentors, she calls it her human. She's yes. like, you know, this is like my human that I'm walking around in. And like, it's so important to take care of it. But I love the notion of like, they're kind of two separate entities, but they're somehow intertwined. So I'm, I'm here for that. I had to adapt that thought process in early recovery. I talk all the time that I'm in recovery and I, I just celebrated four years yesterday. Uh, that was the day I decided I was going to save my own life. And it's been four really crazy roller coaster years and learning how to care for my body, learning why. And then like more importantly, understanding, I don't know if it's more important, but like I've, I've been doing a lot of work on like why it is that I haven't had this framework or this mindset to like just keep myself not just surviving, but like, you know, thriving. Mm. Absolutely. I want to hear a little bit about what got you into this work. You call yourself an accountability coach. It's obviously around like nutrition, you know, and health and moving your body movement. And I want to know why that's your passion. Definitely. So it's interesting because growing up, I always had, there was always a big presence of fitness, 
health wellness in our home. Um, I remember growing up, like my father was really into exercise. Like he ran long races. I remember like going to races as a kid and we had like a gym in our basement and my mom did like step aerobics in the eighties. And like, that was always present. So I, I remember, I remember that as a child, but then in my teens and twenties, like somewhere along the way it got muddled and it was like, it became a little toxic. It became a little bit like, you know, it's about what you look like. And it's about, you know, it, it, the, the message got messed up somewhere in the middle. And I had this like really icky relationship with my body and this icky relationship with food and exercise. And it was really toxic where it was exercise as a punishment and eating was deprivation. And I kind of had this you know, awakening after I had kids where I was like this number one, like, I don't feel good. This is not sustaining my body. This is not sustaining like, you know, my energy levels. And number two, like I'm now a mom myself and I have a daughter and a son, but I've had my daughter first. I'm like, I've got to set a good example for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of saw the, what not to do from my mom, like the, the negative self-talk and the, you know, eating restrictions and this and that, like I saw what not to do. So I'm like, I've got to get my shit together for my kid so that I can be a really solid example of loving my body and treating my body really great. So I say all that to say, you know, I've kind of seen the gamut of the good and the bad side of nutrition and fitness and all those things. So after leaving my corporate job in 2020, I'm sitting, you know, we're out on the lake with my husband. We're spitballing, like, what am I going to do now that I'm not in corporate anymore? Here we are in the middle of the pandemic. I had just turned 35. I have two kids now. And I'm like, I've always loved fitness. I've always wanted to be like a group fitness instructor or, you know, be a Peloton instructor, right? Like I have these like big, you know, big dreams about that. Like, how can I bring that and my love of teaching and my love of helping other people? Like, how can I kind of marry all those together? And that's really how the coaching business was born was taking my love of health and wellness, but also my like penchant and passion for teaching and creating that coaching business and through then getting certified. And like, honestly, a lot of trial and error after that, of like, what do women want? What do clients need? What works? What doesn't? What feels good? What doesn't? So now here we are, I guess, three years later, almost the end of the year will be three years really fine tuning my message and what I'm doing with women and how I'm helping them to feel good in their own bodies. Again, that was a very long winded answer. No, I love <laughs> it. Here we so are. That is exactly it. And I love that you have your own experience. You have like lived experience of what it's like to just feel run down, confused and defeated in trying to do something the way that I guess like the world tells you that it should be done. And you're like, okay, but this isn't like jiving <laughs> with me anymore. It's so interesting that your mindset when you had your daughter wasn't, you know, I have to like, it's 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 almost like it could go both ways, right? Like you could like double down on the way that you are trying to perfect your image to make sure that she learns to have that same image because how, what people think of you is the most important thing. You know, like it it, it does go that way and it could have went that way for you. I've seen and and felt that, you know, from parents all over. And so like, it's so interesting that your mind didn't stay down that lane and like double down for her. And instead it was more like a total switch and being like, I care more about her well-being and not like this image that she may give the world someday. Mm-hmm. 
You're absolutely right. I mean, it was, it was literally the day we did our gender reveal. When I realized I was having a little girl, it was like literally something cracked open inside of me and you don't realize it until you're looking back now. And it was like, this all has to change. You know, the way I'm talking about my body, the way I look at my body, the way I treat my body, like all of this has to change. I just couldn't imagine she's eight now, but I couldn't imagine her looking at herself in the mirror one day and being like, I hate my legs. My stomach is so great. Like you couldn't imagine a child saying those things. And that's like, that's what, that's when it all started happening. So when I work with women, whether it's one-on-one or in a group capacity or in the membership, like our drive and motivation isn't, well, we have to be a size two or we have to be this number of pounds, or we have to fit into our pre-baby jeans. I mean, like, that's bullshit. I hate all that. Like we, yeah. you, that's not our motivation. It's like, what kind what can we do to feel good? How can we have the energy to keep up with our kids? How can we fuel our bodies so that our businesses can run better? Like it's such a different driving force than that external, like vanity metric. Not that we don't want to look good, but the yeah. other force is so much stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the reality is, is that when you do the things that make you feel good inside and out and all these different facets of areas of wellness, you do look good. <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who comes to you and says, I am a busy mom. I am overwhelmed with my life. My brain is already on autopilot and it's it's in, it's like I'm so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I don't have time to move my body or to prep like what or to even like think about nutrition or learn new things. What's your response when you have people come to you like that? Mm, I mean, first is like, I totally get it. You know, I totally understand that. And I, I always tell people to really start small. I think that, you know, we live in this microwave culture where it's like, we want to see big results. We want to see fast. We want to see like all the things. So we're going to go do the 75 hard where it's, you know, we're going to, there's 75 things we have to do. Right. I don't even remember all the things, but my advice to her is to like, number one, like go easy on yourself. Like, yes, we are busy mamas. We are busy women. We have a lot going on, but I would challenge her. And I would say like, is there something that we can is there a way we can kind of rework your day? Is there a way we can rethink about this time instead of like, I have to do this? You know, can you just look for a little pocket where you're like, I get to do this? And I say, like, be realistic and start small. Like, if you don't feel like you have the time for an hour long gym session, well, same. Like, yeah. well, most of us don't, you know, think small and think where can you add in little tiny things and kind of build upon that? I think we, I think oftentimes we really kind of minimize or forget how powerful adding in something so small and like a tangible example would be like drinking your water, you know, like, can you just add in the habit of drinking more water? Can you add in the habit of a five minute walk after dinner? Like something so small can be so powerful in the realm of habit change, no matter what that actual thing is, something so small. And then to feel that win, and to feel that hit of like, well, heck yeah, like I, d- I did that. Let me build onto it. Let me stack on top of that. Yes. And I think sometimes like that's the fear is being like, okay, well, I have to change everything about who I am and how I do my life right now because this new program that I joined is starting today. So now I'm a new person. And <laughs> like, it just doesn't work that way because the fact is, is that you aren't a new person because you have officially pulled the trigger and like paid for a program. Or whatever it is, like in the recovery world, it's like I wasn't a new person because I stepped my first steps into a treatment center. And like I I had to recognize real quick in order to save my own life, like this was going to be a process. And they said right away, like, 
you know, if you like with how unmanageable your life feels right now, you didn't get this way overnight. It's not like yesterday you were super freaking happy go lucky, something happened and you stumbled and fell into this treatment center. Like you, it's taken years of mm-hmm. unmanageability of, of all different kinds, emotional, mental, there's traumas involved, all of the things. And obviously like substances were involved, you know, which are all attached to how we choose to show up in our life. And I just wanted to make that connection because uh, like I said, like a lot of people that are listening are either sober curious or in the recovery realm of some kind or healing, or even if th- those aren't labels that you're identifying with, awesome. But maybe you've had days or weeks where you recognize maybe you are leaning a little bit too hard on a substance like alcohol, or maybe it's food. And that's exactly where like you come in. And I I just have to say too, that's the first thing that I did when I went to treatment. I Day one, I was like, okay, I, I'm not ready to stop. And so I, I, of course, I like limited my intake, but I, w- I wasn't ready. I didn't get clean my first two weeks of treatment. It actually got worse before it got better because I was so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But what I did do from day one is start drinking eight glasses of water a day. And it just it woke up this part of my mind where I was like, I think if I'm the person if I'm a person that walks around the earth thinking that every person deserves the best out of life and that they deserve a second chance and they deserve good things, I have to remember I'm a freaking human. Mm, I deserve yeah. that too. And my body deserves bare minimum to be hydrated in order to either flush out whatever's happening inside of it or to just function properly. That's it because I've been beating up on it for years mm, and I have to recognize yeah. that like at this point I'm my own abuser. And I have to start to do something if I'm not willing to take something away because it's a coping mechanism. What can I add in that isn't that drastic that can help me like start to take this journey one yeah. step at a time? Yeah. I love the notion that you said of like, you know, everybody deserves like to be their happiest and healthiest. Right. And like so often as really busy women or really busy moms, like we're so busy trying to make the other humans in our life like happy and healthy. Like we do, we give our best to our kids or we give our best to our husband or our job or our business. But it's like somehow, some way we got a messed up where we're at the bottom of the to-do list. We're at the bottom of the priority list. Like maybe you get a shower today. Like what? You kidding me? Like, no, we should be at the very tip top of the priority list in so many areas, especially your health and wellness, because it's like the oxygen mask on yourself first. You know, like if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. If mama's not healthy, nobody else is either. And somewhere along the way, we got it twisted. I don't know where, but you're not alone if you're feeling that way, because man, we've all been there, like myself included. Yes. And I think that that goes hand in hand with that first question that I asked you is like, if someone is coming to you, I'm sure you get the DMs or the first coaching call with a new client and they're like, I just don't have time to do this. That's, that's my problem is that like, I don't have time to shower myself at the end of the day. And so to start to revamp like mindset from day Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, absolutely. What role would you say that like mindset or self-esteem plays on like taking care of ourselves? Yeah, I guess like it it has to start with self-esteem and mindset, right? It does. It definitely is. The mindset is the most important in my opinion. And like, if there's a hierarchy, like it's got to start there but it's often the hardest thing to change. Like we can buckle down and do the whole 30 for a month. You know, we can eat keto for 60 days. Like we can do these tangible things, right? Maybe you can even do the 75 hard, but I mean, those things are short sprints. They're tangible things that you can do. But like when the shininess wears off of this new habit, 
or this new thing you're trying to do, or this new diet or this new exercise plan, you know, if you haven't dealt with the mindset shift on the inside of like, number one, I'm worth this. I'm worth it. Like I'm worthy of feeling good and looking good. Yeah. And number two, like I can do this and I do have time. Like, I think those, those shifts have got to come first, but a lot of times they're really hard. Those are really hard shifts to make, like tricking your mind, like reparenting yourself, retraining your brain. I mean, it's hard. It's really (laughs) difficult. (laughs) We know all about that in this realm. It is the hardest thing to break out of this autopilot kind of just like uh, going through the motions day to day, but realizing every single day that in several moments throughout the day, you're like, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. It's like your car is constantly telling you that it's on E and you're just like trying to just fill up a dollar at a time. And you're like, it's not working. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you have Absolutely. to figure out like how to fuel properly in order to go the long miles. I love that analogy. Well, there's okay. There's something that I um have taught too. And something that like just really resonates with this conversation with me is I think sometimes we feel, um, I'm going to like, like follow the dots. So like a lot of times we feel, or we hear that we have to feel motivated first and that will lead us to our second step, which is action, mm. which will lead to confidence. We think that like, we have to feel motivated first and that'll get us to do the thing. And then once we do the thing, we'll be confident in ourselves. And what I have really had to rewire in my brain and help teach others is that we have to take action first, even though we're scared or we don't know how, we don't know all the things. My perfectionistic tendencies don't like that part, but we have to take the damn action and then we'll feel confident that we've actually taken action. We did the thing. And then that will give us more motivation to do it again and repeat. And I love that you are a coach that gives people the tools to start with the action, which is where we have to start. We have to just do the damn thing. And then after that, we can continue to do it again day after day and, you know, pick ourselves back up when we stumble. But like, at least we can start with the action. Yeah. I mean that you hit the nail on the head and I'm like, I'm envisioning this like infographic in my mind of like these three little dots and like the little little font beneath it. And like, this is what we've been taught that it should be. But in reality, like this is what it is. And you're spot on it. I mean, motivation is like a, you know, Christmas present. Like you have it sometimes and it's really magical when it's there, but like, eh, it's not always there. (laughs) Right. You know, like it's, and I, and I just came up with that analogy and I really like it. The motivation is like Christmas. I'm going to have to remember that and use it again. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it's not there, like, even for me, even for the coach, even for people who've been doing this for years and years, like there are often days where I'm just like, I don't want to work out. Yes. <sighs> I don't Thank want you for to, right. That. And I think that is so normal, right? I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. And like, there's some days where I am on fire and I'm just like, yes, I'm so excited about this. But a lot of days I'm not when my motivation is not there. Like it's my discipline that carries me. Yes. Because I'm, I've created such a routine and habit for myself. It's not, am I going to move my body today? It's, well, I'm going to move my body. Here's what I've already pre-planned for myself because I'm a type A planner and that helps me follow through and it helps me with my own accountability and, you know, extra cherry on top if I'm motivated, but I'm going to just do it anyways, because I'm disciplined. And even if you're not, if you just tell yourself like my discipline is going to carry me, right? Even if you don't think, oh, I'm not a disciplined person, like 
can you just say you are anyways? Let's try and trick our brains a little bit and take that messy action because oftentimes, and you tell me if you feel this way, like 10 minutes in the sluggishness is gone. Those endorphins have started to kick in your favorite song. Maybe just popped on your Peloton ride, like 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, I'm glad I'm doing this. Okay. Uh, Okay. I I can get through this. Right. Yes. And so I haven't disclosed this information to the pod or to you, but I started my fitness journey about, I don't know, two weeks into my like recovery journey. And I started as a beach body coach at -hmm. home. And so that like, they're kind of known to be like the like quick fix, like do this one workout, you know? And I think that they're like shifting the way that they do business. But yeah, it was very like, I'll do this one program and then like, I'm going to lose this much weight and then it's going to be great. And it was very, very quick to turn around and start to realize like I deserve to treat myself better. For me, I had to reframe the way that the word discipline felt to me. I uh, We've talked on the podcast a lot. Someone that comes from a background of trauma in my childhood, hearing the word discipline sounds like punishment to mm. me. Like, what do you say to people that are like, um, like, or even like subconsciously, just that the word discipline feels like, well, I've eaten the thing or I'm like fat and whatever, like all this negative talk, you know, my, my inner voice, my inner critic is mean, (laughs) but she says these things. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I did that in the past, which I did, I need to go to the gym to work it off. Like, and that to me feels like discipline. Like, what do you say when someone is like having an issue with that word or the way that it feels? I can totally see how the word discipline feels maybe a little too masculine, maybe a little too restrictive. Maybe you do kind of recoil a little bit if you've, you know, if there is trauma triggering right from the past, like I can absolutely see that. And I think maybe if you could reframe it to think about it, like habit building, instead of saying the word, cause discipline, I see for some reason, when I see the word discipline, I think about like a big man who's like a Marine or something like that is the visual. And I'm like, that's not me. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like a drill sergeant, literally. (laughs) Yes. That is, that is what I see. So maybe we could think about it like in different terms. Maybe we think about like, I don't know, the visualization of like check marks, like on a calendar of like, okay, this is actually me keeping a promise to myself. Cause when I, the one, the word discipline to me means I say, I'm going to do something and I follow through. Yes, it's like keeping up integrity is so much more of a beautiful word. Keeping a promise to yourself, putting yourself first and not bailing on yourself and not canceling on yourself. Maybe that's a way we can think about it. Yeah. Just remembering that you value this, that you value yourself. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm the kind of person that wants to challenge, like, I still want to use the word, but I want to like reframe the way that I think about it because yeah. it is a word and it is used so common. So like, I just, I'm the kind of person that's like, take our, take our power back, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. I like that. We'll just have a different visual when we think about that. Yeah. So you have the Thrive program that I want to talk about. And I also want to talk about your Cultivate Planner. These are ways that you can take action first, which we have to do, just like take the messy action in order to get that confidence, in order to feel motivated to like keep doing it. Yes, yes. Thank you. So Thrive is a membership. It's a monthly membership. And this is a program that I am so excited about in my business because I was feeling this awkwardness. And then that's not a word, but go with me. This <laughs> awkwardness at the end of say a group coaching program. Cause I do one-on-one coaching. Sometimes I'll do one-off group programs. And it was like, 
when it was over, it was so awkward because it was like, like, well, now what? You know, it was like the record stopped real abruptly. And I had this epiphany like, okay, well, health and wellness is not a start and stop. Like there is no start button and stop button. Like it is an ongoing ever present journey that we're on. Right. Yeah. As long as and we're <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like, that is what the membership is. This is a place for us to build community, have accountability and have a way to be in a coach's world ongoing in a very affordable, very, um, safe and friendly environment. So the, the part of the membership that my members love the most is, um, I send weekly recipes. So you get like five exciting kind of cleanish eating recipes every single week. So if you're like, I don't know what to cook. I don't know what to make. I'm kind of giving you ideas along the way. We do two like Q and a calls a month. So it's more of a way for just us to come together. I'm like, what are you working on? What's, what's feeling hard right now? What are you celebrating right now? What do you need help with? So it's just very open dialogue. So to be able to have access to your coach and like get some tangible advice from me. Wow. Is that, is, is that very, one-on-one or is that group? It's in a group setting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. Group. So we hear like what she might be struggling on or what she might be struggling with or what she's done to try this and that, like is super motivating and inspiring to the other members. Right. Yeah. Community is like one of the hugest things. I, we forget that we are social creatures on planet earth. Like we are not just people, we are human beings and we are built a certain way. We're meant for community. So I love this. So true. I mean, even myself, like I'm in several memberships because I crave that connection. I crave that sociability. I told you before we hit record that I could talk all day long. Um, so the community aspect is fun. We do different monthly challenges that are like focused on fitness. So for example, we're doing like a steps challenge in September where like you set your own goal for steps and then you come in and you post your steps daily. And then we have a winner, a winner at the end of the month for a different prize. And then we have like master classes that I drop every single month. So I bring in different guest speakers, or it might be myself and I'll have someone teach on a topic. So for example, for September, I had a gal come in and do holistic, how to create a holistic morning ritual. And she gave us like five ideas of how to really like take control of your morning. And they were so realistic and so approachable. So we dropped different masterclasses each month for you to learn. Um, but the accountability and the, it's like having accountability coach in your back pocket. You can hit me up in a private message in our members portal and ask me for advice. You can check in with me weekly. Like, so you have that one-on-one component, but you also have the community and that's arguably the best part. That's phenomenal. That's like the one thing that I love that I started my fitness journey with Beachbody because it gave me the power to, and I started as a as a Beachbody coach. So I was the person that was like recruiting people and creating the community. And it was so freaking awesome. It like, it was the accountability piece, exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, and Thrive, Thrive sounds like so much more than that. Like, it's not just like, you didn't just like pay basically the same price, you know, to just get videos on on your TV or whatever works. And then like your own motive, like good luck, you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sounds like, I mean, it is so much more. Absolutely. It's super fun. I love the membership. It's an awesome way to learn. It's an awesome way where if you're not quite ready to work with someone one-on-one, but you need that little hit of motivation or accountability, or you just need someone in your world to like root for you and cheer for you, or you need someone to like ask questions to, but you don't really know who you trust or like, where do I even start? So that's really the beauty of the membership. 
That's awesome. It's so inspiring. Like I, it's just like recovery and it's like fuck small talk. Like the whole notion here is that these are ongoing conversations that we have to keep on having. We can't have like one discussion on um, a specific trauma and then like a year later be like, oh, I had that talk a year ago. I'm good. Like, no, life is ongoing. We need to continue to have these conversations. So the idea of like a subscription or a membership, you got my wheels turning. That's so true. You're right. You're right. It's like we we expect to just check it off the list. Like, like I got that. I got that. But in reality, and this is true with with your recovery, this is true with just about any kind of journey that you might be on, Mm -hmm. is life happens, man. And Mm -hmm. you've I hate the saying, but I'm gonna use it because it's a good analogy. You fall off the wagon, right? Like Uh I love and hate this term, but then I but then sometimes the wagon is rolling down the hill on fire. And then sometimes the wagon bursts into about a million pieces. Yeah. And it's like that all happens, you know, that happens to the best of us, whether it's with what you ate this weekend or how you're feeling in life or how you're recovering. Like, there's so many ways you can apply that analogy, but it's like, we all have to get up and start again. And like, yeah. that's where the beauty of working with a coach comes in, you know, whether it's a coach like you, a coach like me, like to have someone to be like, dude, I am not living the way I should be right now. Like I am not feeling my body. I don't feel good. Like I acknowledge that. Where do I, what do I do next? Cause it all, it happens to all of us. Yes. And it's like, like you said, no matter what type of journey you're on, I think going back to like the holistic thing, like you don't have to change everything about your life all at once if you don't know where to begin, but it is important to recognize that no matter what the journey is, it's the same framework for really Mm -hmm. anything. And that's literally learning to be gentle with yourself learning to be open and honest with at least one other person, hopefully a community of people and to like continue to just like keep moving forward because it will be messy. Like you will trip and fall. Mm. And, you know, it's, it sucks to say, and I hate this too, but like when you fall, you learn how to get back up. And that's a really important skill. 100%. It's like, I tell my clients all the time they're in a, you know, they're in a rush or they're in a hurry to like see results or they're in a, you know, they're mad at themselves because they've had, you know, a week where their kid was homesick and they didn't get to go to the gym or they've just eaten like crap because they are, you know, anxious because their kid is homesick, right? Like this is my life last week. And <laughs> but you're um, like, I don't know that but personally, but <laughs> right. Right. And it's like, what's your rush? Like, what's the hurry? Because there is no end. Like there is no oh, I've hit my goals. I'm going to stop doing this. Well, no, you know, like there, and that can feel daunting to a lot of people. I'll never forget when I had a gal tell me like, well, that's really like shitty that there's never an end. I'm like, okay, but let's flip it and think, okay, I can screw up so many times because there is no end. There is no timetable. So like, even if I mess up all the time and don't get it right all the time, like the amount of endless grace I can give myself and the amount of like starting agains I can give myself is at some point it's going to be reassuring to you. Yes. And then that is literally the lifestyle and it's literally a new mindset. You're a new person operating life in that way, because just like, um, like learning how to take care of your body, whether that be through movement or eating, because it's so many things or to be gentle with yourself, like maybe, um, limit or quit ingesting these substances or certain things that are like coping mechanisms. Right. Um, you know, and recovery is so many things. We even talk about like financial, like recovery, you know, like all of the, like it can be just recognizing that something is creating unmanageability in your life. And how can I stop doing that? But to recognize like, as soon as 
or um, like as long as we are living, like we're breathing, <laughs> you know, we are moving through life. So when I am like, I say this a lot, like when I am like 80 years old, I know that I'm still going to have like, hopefully like not as severe and open, but like these inner child wounds and thoughts, like I'm still going to be myself and the parts of me that I'm either addressing or not addressing when I'm yeah. older. And so like, yeah, it's like we, we're we not going to eat healthy and go to the gym religiously for a year. And all of a sudden, like our life 50 years down the road is phenomenal because when we were in our thirties, we did like this one group class. <laughs> right. We had one solid year and then we're set. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> like, so I understand the daunting, like, you know, like, oh God, this is forever because it, it, in the beginning, it feels like it's so much mm-hmm. work and it is, it's a lot of work, but it starts to become just like how you live. Eventually you hit the nail on the head. Eventually it becomes your lifestyle and that you don't realize it until almost years on the line, I think. And you're like, oh, when you can stand in the gain of like where you are now versus where you were two, three, five years ago. Like you don't, there is no like magical, you know, alarm that goes off when you've like hit that milestone. But yeah. you're right. You're right. Like, and, and that's the whole goal. Like it's it's to switch that mindset so that this can be a lifestyle for you. It's where this just feels like second nature. Like to me, moving my body daily feels like second nature. Right. And like that in the beginning, no, but eventually you get there. Yes. And you do that again, like through trial and error, because it's Mm -hmm. not like you started moving your body every day. And because you've been super perfect at it every single day, since the day that you started, you found out that you like that every single day. It's the moments where you didn't do it. Mm, Yeah. That you were like, why do I feel so shitty? And then you're like, oh, like I'm not doing the thing that I know by trial and error I've recognized based on my research that like when I do the thing that I said I was going to do, I do feel better about my exactly. life. So I'm gonna exactly. Keep- like, why am I so anxious? Why am I feeling so much anxiety? Oh, because I haven't moved my body in three days and I have not dispelled this energy that literally needs to come out of me. Like, why am I extra short with my kids? Hmm, you didn't get a workout in today. You know, like you, you're right. You, you absolutely feel the effects when you don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and I'm going to segue right into the cultivate planner then because you've created this awesome, like I've been looking through the images. This is something that I know would be super beneficial to a lot of people in my audience. It makes me think of uh, my really good friend. She's my gym buddy. She and I have been like workout gym partners for a really long time. She and I both and and like many other listeners really struggle with how to stay on top of our like day-to-day accountability to make sure that we do see long-term results. And this is why you've created this planner. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's so, it's still very surreal because this planner has, I'm over here looking at it in the corner of my, um, <laughs> on the one on my, on my desk, it is about a year in the making. And I still remember when this idea was born. Ironically, I was on a walk, go figure the best ideas come to you when you're on a walk. I was on a walk with my husband. I was like, I can't find this, this product that I need, like I'm working with these women one-on-one and we're trying different habit trackers. You know, we're using this online habit tracker or we're using this app or we're using good old Google sheets. I, I cannot find on the market what I'm looking for to help women like plan their week and then track what they're actually doing. Because that's so much of my coaching. Like we sit down and we're like, well, what's the plan for the week going to be good? The plan for the month. 
And then, you know, we check in week to week or we check in in Boxer and we're like, well, did you do the thing you said you were going to do? And let's dig into what happened or why or why not? So we can find some um, common denominators or some themes. Where can we edit? Where can we change, you know, to find what works? Because it's all a science experiment. Yeah. So the Cultivate Planner was was born with the help of some friends and some designers. Um, And what it is, is a three-in-one meal planner, workout planner, and then a habit tracker. So it's undated. And imagine you're sitting down, you open it up and you've got a weekly spread where you're sitting down with your cup of coffee and it's a Sunday and you're like, all right, what am I going to, what am I going to eat this week? Let me map out my meals. All right. How am I going to move my body? Like what kinds of movement? And I specifically put movement on there, not workouts because movement can be anything, right? So you, you map out what your movement is going to be. And then there's a little habit tracker and there's blanks for you to fill in the habits that you are working on. Cause how dare I dictate the habits you should work on. It's up to you to feel like this is where I am in my journey. And it's designed to help you cultivate the habits that mean the most to you. Yes. And because like life is person-centered, like some people do have kids, some people don't, some people are living a sober lifestyle. Some aren't some, you know, like we're all so different and some like, like a certain exercise that feels good to them. Others don't have that ability or simply don't like that. They want to do something different. Like it's, it's so beautiful. I think like taking the cookie cutter approach to anything like this is just such a disservice to so many of us. I want to ask your thoughts on I, I feel like I'm I'm excited for your answer, but your thoughts on these, I want to call them fad diets, but things like limiting carbs, eating keto, there's something like new that I've heard called carb cycling that I'm not really sure about. Um, things like fasting or stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. where are your thoughts around all of these things? Oh, I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode just on this. And I have a lot of thoughts. And my first one is, you know, if you have found something that really works for you and your body, like do it, screw what I say, right? Like if you found something that feels really good to you, your body is telling you what it needs. Okay. So that's kind of like my disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the majority of us, I would say, haven't felt that, which is right. Exactly. No, you are right about that. So I think that anytime you change something with your nutrition or your fitness, but specifically nutrition, Anything you're changing, it's like a science experiment. You know, if you're going to change how you eat, there's all these little like levers and I'm doing like my hand motions, like I'm pulling levers and pushing levers. And the things that your body tells you is feedback and data. And it's, it's a science experiment. So to do something long-term, to do something for a lifestyle, I feel like you need to pull different levers at different times for different people. So I'm like not answering your question, but I'm trying to answer your question. I think as a whole, fad diets are kind of like quick fixes. However, if you can learn to implement maybe certain elements of them to help you with whatever your goal is. So let me give you like an actual example of that. Cause I feel like I'm kind of dancing around the answer. Yeah. The short answer is like a fad diet is meant to give you quick results. And it's meant to be something that's short term. It's not a life style way of eating, but there are kind of elements in my own personal life and the own way that I eat. There are elements of almost all of those things that I do. So for example, like I do a little bit of intermittent fasting certain times of the month, meaning maybe I'll stop eating at six or 7 PM. And maybe I won't eat again until 
eight, nine, 10 the next day. Right. I'm not talking like three day fast or anything crazy. Mm -hmm. So like for me, pulling that lever feels good. Some of the time, why would someone choose to fast even um, like certain times of the month or. Yes. So using intermittent fasting, it's a way to help your gut rest first and foremost, like to have just a natural 12 hour fast overnight is a really nice, like kind of baseline place to start to let your gut rest. There's a lot of like really sciencey, nutritiony things that happen when you're not eating. It kind of allows your digestive system to like clean itself out and do like a sweep almost. Um, it's really good to tap into fat burning if you are fasting a certain number of hours. And for me, it's just a nice way to like, okay, this is when I'm done eating. So then I'm not eating at all hours of the evening, but it is a great way to tap into fat burning. Um, and there's some pretty cool, like mental effects that come like the mental clarity of maybe not eating first thing in the morning and having coffee, like black coffee, black tea or water up until a certain hour in the morning keeps you clear versus using a lot of that energy on digestion. Um, there's a really good book. I'm looking at it over here. It's called fast, like a girl that I just read that pairs intermittent fasting with the different times of your cycle. If you're a female, Ooh. um, so meaning like the four phases of your monthly cycle, there are times when fasting is more beneficial times when fasting is less beneficial. So it's kind of a way to work with your natural cycles. Um, so yeah, I use that lever and, and pull that tool. And I, and when I do that, when I, you know, give myself a natural, like 12 to 14 hour fast at night, I feel better. I just do. Um, another example of talking about like limiting carbs, you know, like our body needs carbs and your brain needs carbs, but not all carbs are created equal. Yeah. Now, do I think it's realistic to say like, I'm never going to have a piece of bread, chips or pasta or crackers ever again? No, because I love life and I love eating <laughs> those things. Thank you for saying that. I'm the same. Like the Oprah meme, like I love bread, right? Like we all freaking love bread. Like I'm not giving up bread, man. But, but if we're talking about scientifically, you know, when you eat carbohydrates, specifically like super refined carbs, meaning those simple carbs like bread or pasta or chips or crackers or cookies, yeah. your blood sugar spikes. And when your blood sugar spikes, what's it going to do? It's going to, it's going to crash. And when you crash, you don't feel good. You're tired. You've got that like brain fog. You're probably craving more sugar or caffeine. So like that's not a great cycle to be in. So when, you know, the carbs I try and eat are more complex carbs. They come from fruits and veggies and things that are like super loaded with fiber to help with that blood sugar crash. So you got to kind of pull from pieces of those and understand that, like you said earlier, there's not one size that fits all. So like just saying like slapping a label like keto on your, you know, eating, is it going to fix everything? Now, are there elements of keto that I do believe in? Like, yeah, eating quality fat and the right amount of quality fat with the rest of the other macronutrients is super beneficial. Right. But I, I can't follow keto for my whole life. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of pick and choose. And that's when working with a coach is really helpful to help you kind of pull those levers and see which ones are working for you and which ones are not, because what works for your goals might be different than what works for her goals and vice versa. Yes. And I've learned does that a lot. Help? Does that make sense? It does. It does a lot. I love that. Um, it's just like the real raw answer that I was suspicious. That was true. That like there is some 
little slivers of truth and um, things that work inside or like behind every fad diet it's like okay like there was there was like the scientific truth that came out and now it just kind of exploded into this like fad diet that isn't beneficial however the science behind it really does talk about um you know like what carbs do to your body when you do ingest them especially when they're simple um carbs exactly that's a great way of putting it yeah that's a great way to put it yeah and i think a lot of times people um don't recognize or understand that simple carbs like pasta or white bread or whatever those are carbs but so is sugar things like candy um and i think sometimes those get mixed up um where people are like oh i'll limit uh, or i'll i'll just stop eating candy forever you know um but then they find themselves craving the white breads the pastas the other things because it essentially am i right to say that it can be addictive oh absolutely i mean sugar is almost as addictive as heroin um, there I've, I've watched so many really fascinating food documentaries about sugar and mm-hmm. the things that lights up in our brain is so chemically similar to drugs like heroin, which as we both know is highly addictive. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's in everything to make you want to eat more of it. Now, mm-hmm. am I here to say that like sugar is the devil? Like, no, I mean, well, yeah, it's pretty bad for you, but like, you know, I'm not, we, we can't cut out sugar completely out of our lives, but you are right. Like realizing and understanding what it actually is you're eating Mm -hmm. and what it does to your body. And also like picking and choosing when you can have that, or I shouldn't say can, when you want to have it. I have a, of such a good story from a client where she talks about worth it cheesecake. And she's like, you know, really trying to be mindful about, you know, her eating. She's really wanting to lose weight because that is a goal of hers. Not everyone's is, but hers was. And she was like, we went out to dinner and we had a date night and they had this cheesecake and it's my favorite cheesecake. And I call it worth it cheesecake because to her, like that indulgence was worth it. Now on the flip side, if you're at your, you know, daughter's friend's seven-year-old birthday party and they have this like shitty store sheet cake, cake. that probably isn't worth it. Now, maybe that's your thing, but like, but to her, that was her like, you know, measuring stick It's like, is it? really worth it. And when it is, you should so enjoy it. Right. But everything can't be worth it. Cheesecake. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what about when, so like, it's so hard to break that habit, you know, especially Mm -hmm. if you are using it as a quick fix, maybe it's subconscious and you don't even recognize that it's like a coping mechanism, but to sneak even like, um, a little mini size candy bar, right? Like the little bite size, but starting to recognize like, oh, I've actually eaten 20 of these throughout the day. Um, I guess like that's where a coach comes in when it's like really great to have a community and accountability because it's like if it's in front of us and the world around us is marketing sugar constantly, it's so hard to stop. I can't have those little ones in my house, like those little bitty fun size candy bars. Like I, I don't know the kinds of unicorn. Well, I do know the unicorn that can eat just one, my husband. I don't know what kind of DNA he's made up to where he can literally just have one of them and be fine. That's not me. So I, I recognize that and I just can't keep them in the house. No, that's like one <laughs> potato chip. I'm like, that would just, yes. be- I think um, that again, it's just amazing how many parallels I am having today talking with you yeah. about the holistic approach to nutrition and moving your body and treating yourself with kindness. And the fact that like that literally is the sobriety journey as well or the recovery journey, um, however that looks, you know, um, just recognizing that like 
if if it is going to be a problem and it is something that you consciously can't trust yourself to not like autopilot, oops, I accidentally ate 10, don't keep them in your house, you know, or like that's where that community comes in. I love that you have the Thrive community um, for your members to be able to like go into the app and be or the the chat or whatever and be like, mm-hmm. I'm about to go through a Dairy Queen drive through because I'm craving ice cream so bad, you know, and that's me. I'd like probably be crying, really wanting ice cream and like needing someone to tell me to not freaking do it, you know, and sometimes it's super hard like that. And other times as you start to build that confidence, you're like, I do want it. It would be nice. And right now I'm just going to choose not to engage. Mm. And like we can we we have those conversations with ourselves when we quit alcohol or when we, you know, quit whatever it is, you know. Um, and the fact is, is that if you can carry on a week, a month, a year with no alcohol or whatever it is, that other substance of yours or whatever behavior of yours that was super detrimental to your life, you absolutely can do this with literally anything in your life. Like you were a freaking powerhouse. If you can do that, mm. use those same strategies and those same tactics to go through any other hard journey that you're having, whether it be with food or movement or whatever. 100%. You nail on the head. Absolutely. There are so many parallels with those two types of journeys. And I think that's, I mean, that's really one of the things that I like to think sets me apart and the things that like when I'm creating content or creating programs or the way I'm pouring into my members, it's like remembering that it all comes back to this like 360 degree approach with wellness. It's not just your exercise. It's not just what you eat. It's not just, you know, how much sleep you get. It's not just, you know, the support you're getting from your spouse. Like it's literally, it's all entwined. It's all meshed together and like this beautiful web. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, I use the analogy of a video game a lot where, and which is weird because I'm not a gamer at all. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's like, you're going through life and like, if you have to, you know, you have to create your solid team. Like if you don't have a solid support system, shit's going to get really freaking hard. And it probably already has been hard, which is why you are in the position that you're in right now where you're like, I feel like I don't know where to begin, but you can't rely on outside supports only and the inner healing work of like why is it that you aren't supporting yourself first and foremost to make sure that you get your shower first or you also get food you know like you yes you're taking care of a family you're taking care of others I think a lot of us have those tendencies to be people pleasers and um, you know caretakers but then like challenge yourself and ask yourself why it is that you aren't pleasing yourself or caretaking for yourself and your own body I think that that if we could like sum up our conversation today, I think that that's where it has to start. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, and, and to kind of like piggyback onto that, like you are worth it. It doesn't make you selfish for you and your needs to come first. There's some kind of like rewiring that has to happen with women. Like it doesn't make you selfish for prioritizing your movement or your nutrition or your well-being or your time to go see a therapist or your time to have a me day. Like it doesn't make you selfish. Like if anything, that makes me a better wife and 100%. a better mom and a better coach when I take that time for me. Cause when I don't, that's when I'm running on E and we don't, that doesn't feel good. Like that we are not able to show up as our best self and serve those around us if we're not pouring into ourselves first. And I know we hear that all the point your own cup first, but like, it's really true. It's really, whatever kind of analogy you want to put on that, whatever ribbon you want to put on it, like do you first. That is if we, yeah, you're right. 
so, solid sum up of our convo. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I, I I would just assume every person listening to this today cares so deeply about at least one person in their life. They are like this, per, like they would die for this person, you know, and I would challenge them to ask themselves, would you live for them? You know, like, it's mm-hmm. like, we say that a lot and I hear it from parents. I would die for my kids. I've heard that from my own parents. And then to look back and say like, okay, but you really need to live and live well and treat yourself well for them. Because when you're not well mentally, you're not well, maybe you're stuck in an addiction. You're not well, you're, you're, um, you've gained a lot of weight. Um, it's starting to like affect your day-to-day movement. Maybe you're not moving your body, which is only adding to the mental health aspect of it. All of this is so intertwined. And when we're not choosing to treat ourselves better, it's hard to swallow that pill, but we are really harming a lot of other people around us that really care about us too. Mm, absolutely. Including our kids who are like learning how to do their life by watching us. You don't realize how they are such sponges. I mean, my kids are six and eight and we took them on a weekend trip to Asheville, North Carolina a few weeks ago. And to hear my little tiny six-year-old be like, repeat something that I had just said. He's like, it's not even eight o'clock and y'all are driving me nuts. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I don't realize how much this little tiny thing has just soaked up and like all those little isms that Mm. has come out of his mama's mouth (laughs) that they repeat. They are little sponges, good, bad, and otherwise, whether it's, you know, they're watching you work out, they're watching you eat, they're watching you not eat. They're yeah. watching, you know, the way you, things you say about yourself. They're watching the way you interact with your spouse, your partner. Like, God, they watch everything, man. Right. Right. Yeah. And even like for me, I don't have kids, you know, but to recognize that, um, again, I'll go, I, I'm a sociology master. It's what I do as my schooling, my training. But to recognize that, like the way that I stepped through the world is a ripple effect and it affects everybody around me. And I do have the understanding now Um through years of personal development work that like, I really do matter. And the way that I live my life really does affect people and their hearts and and how they feel about themselves and me and the world. And yeah, it's just up to us to just make sure that like, we're showing up for ourselves and, and the people that we do have to take care of and that we get to take care of, including ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes so people can find the Thrive Program, they can find the Cultivate Planner, um, and just figure out how they could get you, um, get in with your coaching program, because honestly, I'm super, super excited about it. This is so needed. And I thank, thank you. you. Mm, thank you. I ha- I will give you a special um, link and like promo code for your listeners if they want to hop in the membership to save them some money. And, um, well, I'll also give you the link to the cultivate planner, but yeah, get it for yourself, get it for your friends. I mean, it's a really beautiful gift to give to yourself. So that's so awesome. I, okay. We love discounts. We love (laughs) any type of getting our foot. Love a good discount. Absolutely. Go check that out. So thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your heart. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Small Talk is produced in partnership with Be Easy Marketing. It would mean so much if you took the time right now to follow the pod and give a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you guys here next week for another Big Talk topic. 
Until then, let's keep moving forward.